Welcome to Coffee with Curtis, your home for quality business conversation. Hey everyone, I'm Robert Curtis. Welcome to the podcast. Joining me this time is Bridie Castiel. Like myself, originally from the UK, Bridie is a talented marketer, entrepreneur who has built her career helping businesses thrive in the world of social media. She calls herself an unapologetic social media nerd. After building her own social media agency, she transitioned from being a business owner and CEO to digital comms lead at the superpower product I personally love, monday.com. Bridie, welcome, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I am really well, thank you. Fantastic, I was saying before we came on air that I'm in the same room that I moved back into recently that I first had some sessions with you uh, must be three years plus ago and uh, it's like full circle and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Who knew I would be sitting in the monday.com office though because that was definitely not on my <laughs> radar back three years ago. Well we're going to get into that and unpack some of that um, and I, I guess for those listening who for some really weird reason don't know you I mean this is obviously a very small select few people on social media. Tell us a little bit about Bridie. What do we need to understand about you and uh, where you've come from and uh, your career decisions today? Sure. Well, that's a big question. Uh, who are you? Where do you come from? And <laughs> why are you where you are? Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to really get to the bottom of that within 30 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm Bridie. I, I, as you said, I'm originally from the UK. Um, I grew up sort of all over the place. We moved a lot. Um, but um, my dad's side of the family was always sort of based in Cambridgeshire, so I always had that kind of, uh, you know, point of uh, home home beacon uh, point in the UK. Um, and when I was about 10, my mum and my brother moved to Israel, and, and so since then I was kind of back and forth in both places uh, until I finally made Aliyah by myself uh, when I was already an adult. So um, I've always had like a, a very uh, nomadic uh, and... Uh, wide world view of how different people live and different cultures come together but I decided that Israel was going to be my home um, and uh, when I did move to Israel I set up a business in social media because I was uh, accidentally contacted by somebody who said hey I remember you were sort of good at someone else's Facebook at some point and I heard you left <laughs> and would you like to just help us with a post or two and um, who knew that it would be like the perfect industry with the perfect um range of skills um that you know i was always really really passionate about and connected to uh, and things sort of snowballed from from there um so that's kind of how i ended up in israel and how i ended up in social media as a starting point it's amazing how many pe people's careers are basically these opportunities that that come accidental <laughs> exactly exactly they're probably not accidental it's there was something in that obviously they they picked up on something that you'd shown talent on in in the past but it's these yep. these random left field opportunities that suddenly become you know the pathway to, to opportunity in your in your career what what did you want to be when you were a little girl growing up um i i changed my mind a lot um but it was always <laughs> something that was you know kind of very like um a that would use my my skills of being you know very very bossy and in charge um and uh and b required me to be like very very organized so i kind of bounced between sort of movie director and like event planner type um careers uh as a as a kid but social media really was like just the most 
perfect fit and I count myself really really lucky that it did happen by accident at the time that it did because social media for for business um, as a marketing tool was really really just being born um, at the time that that came knocking on my door so even though I was really really young it kind of happened at a at a really symbolic time in the era of social media marketing and I was able to jump on it really really early and and build out a specialism as the um, field started to grow and is still growing and changing every day as we know. You were that first generation because you're quite a bit younger than me but you're that first generation of people that were were, were basically born into this. I was at the end of that sort of gen gen Y I think it was Gen mm. Y um, and then you had had millennials and mm. uh, um, so we've, we've been playing a little bit of catch up but you know your generation then you know I see my kids the adoption of technology and social media their learning curve is so fast yes 100% my my son is um, almost five and you know he's like got YouTube kids down like he knows how <laughs> do everything he knows how to get into like the parental lock and sometimes the uh mathematical um equation that you have to answer as the parent to get into the parent settings are not actually that complex and he's already you know he's already like break hacking into the parental settings and things so um yes definitely and i and i count myself really really lucky for two reasons when when i was um my mum was very um tech savvy she was also very ahead of her time we had um you know two computers in the house when I was very, very small at a time that a lot of families didn't have, um, you know, computers yet at home, um, you know, really, really was very young. And we also didn't grow up with a lot of money. So it was really, really a privilege that we um, had a computer at home. And, and then kind of phase two of that is, I must have been 12 or 13 or so kind of around the time of MySpace, um, taking a, a massive uh, moment and um, I wasn't a big fan of MySpace but we had Bebo in the UK and that was pretty big with sort of teens my age um, and we had MSN sort of the the instant chat so it was really like a, a time of everything social every social interaction as a teenager was being held online we would walk home with our friends from school go to our individual houses and then sit and chat <laughs> on MSN with each other. So um, it, I, I definitely had that kind of advantage of just thinking in this way of, of social sharing, um, you know, and the, the rage at the time was really kind of like updating your status with like lyrics of a song or like your favorite song that you were listening to that day. So this process of thinking about what do I want to share with the world? What do I want people to know about me today was something that was really instilled in me in very, very young. And I think that that's probably tech aside that is the piece of social media that i think um other generations struggle with you know on a, on a more intense level like i'm going to share something i'm going to you know verbalize my thoughts you know on the internet like why would i do that the the psychology of it and the um the nature of it is much more intrinsic to to me and, and people of my generation than, than others yeah i think you hit on exactly the right point there but um today or, or certainly, you know, you and your friends and, you know, every generation since, um, they've become their own mini broadcasters and they're perfectly happy sharing and expressing themselves. Um, personally, I think sometimes too much, but, you know, that's a conversation. <laughs> um, but it's but it's it's part of the, the, the ethos. And, you know, my generation or my parents' generation, um, you know, they certainly would have been 
very guarded about that, especially in yeah. the UK. We're very, you know, stiff up and lift. Yes. You know, we don't share these types of things. Yes. But um, it's, it's, it's true. Everyone has become a broadcaster. I want to pick up also on what you said about having computers in the house, um, despite the economic challenges. This was a really interesting issue. I remember reading a long article during the pandemic, and you think that everything's become democratized and everybody has a phone and everybody has um, you know, access to technology. And actually, because there was no school, there were these huge communities globally even in the Western world, who were not getting access to their school education because there weren't enough computers in the house. Perhaps they didn't even have strong enough internet. And actually, the gap that created through that disparity over what they had access to is actually going to be seen over the next few years. Yeah, 100%. I think... um education like there's a lot of criticism around like the education system and how old school schooling still is and how it's not evolved in not like 100 years um but there is something you know maybe it has its its weaknesses for people of a certain um economic situation or of a certain intelligence but it does provide some kind of central place where everyone can get the same access to the same education the same information the same format which you know, has has some uh, has some benefit to it, and has obviously you know supports people of all um, situations. So yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting an interesting one. But I wanted to say about the um, kind of growing up as a broadcaster. I think it's it goes beyond. I think what really refined and brought me to think of social um, in a st- super strategic way is I was exposed at a really really young age to how other people reacted and received my broadcasts mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a pretty self-aware person you know my um my my upbringing forced me to be super adaptive and to um, be very in tune to everyone else's kind of needs and emotions and what was going on around me um and I think that that plus this kind of ability in my young in my young teens to like share thoughts and and songs and lyrics and um things and then seeing what people's reactions were sometimes good sometimes bad teens are rough um <laughs> girls can be mean um but you know i i really got a sense of like how do people receive it and like what how can i tailor my message so i think i was already kind of learning the basics of personal branding from like a really really a uh, personal branding on the internet from a really really um young young age and that's kind of the center of everything that i do now as well I think you're spot on. It's what attracted me to originally reach out to you to engage for professional reasons to help my brand, um, you know, all those years ago. And I think what you struck, what struck me about you was it was the right balance between sharing sort of personal life and professional life, which, you know, definitely my generation or, or older definitely as we just said struggle with um i mean how do you, how how have you become so comfortable with that and and do you still feel that way it was definitely part of the reasons as i say why i felt oh this person can really help me because she's she's story doing not storytelling she's she's walking it hmm. i think um what i understood quite quickly from from working with um you know earlier in my career a lot of smaller business owners you know smaller businesses have the advantage of taking the personal track bigger brands like monday don't get that you know and and we can we can talk about that in a minute and the challenges of 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 that and how we're navigating it but on a personal brand on a um 
you know, on a on a smaller business level, the there is kind of like this widespread online advice, like you have to be super, super authentic and super, super genuine and like share all of the details of your life and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I take a much more um, apprehensive view on that. I think it's about deciding who you would like to talk. It has to come with strategy. Who are you trying to reach? What do they need to know about you? in order to trust you, in order to want to connect with you, in order to engage with what you're saying, in order to find you relatable, and then craft your expertise into sharing those things about yourself. It's not about sharing all and everything. For me, on a personal level, like what I share is like, it's a creative outlet for me. It's a, it's um, a, a bit of an online diary. I never write anything that is, you know, too um, polished or messaged or like massaged into a message or everything is really, really like, I want to share this. This is where my typing and heart is flowing. So this is where it's going and that's fine. Um, I post when I'm inspired and I don't when I'm not. And, and that's what works for me, but that's because, you know, again, I grew up with this very, very open, um, approach to sharing. Uh, I have received and felt, um, I've grown a lot from that. I've, I've learned a lot about other people. I've learned a lot about what people think of me. I've um, connected with people at times like COVID post baby at a time was really, really critical for me to find some kind of community and, and a place to, um, you know, share with others. So for me, it's only done um, positive things, but that doesn't mean that for everyone with a business, they need to share in the way that I do or share all of the intimate details of their life because you absolutely don't. But what you do need to do is to think about, you know, who your customer is, who you want to be connecting with, and then be really, really intentional about what you're sharing to make sure that it's something that will aid them in connecting with you. I think that's great advice. I think the the bit that perhaps people struggle with is this concept of, you know, staying in your lane. And definitely you have posted across different lanes in your life. Um, but I think people really just struggle with it, that, that opening up to all of the other aspects that make you more you know, human or whatever authentic you want to use the buzzwords to, to describe. But I mean, what's your advice to people about that? How far should they go? Obviously within the comfort zone of how they feel mm. comfortable. Yeah, it, it always, for me, that conversation always starts with, you know, what do you feel compelled to share? If we're starting with nothing, then okay, let's think about where we need to, you know, which areas we do need to tap into. But I don't think there's any hard and fast rule like your people will come to you and your business and your expertise because of who you are. If as a person, you're not the kind of person who wants to talk about anything other than X, your people will find you for that. But only if you're thinking about who they are, right? Like if you're only thinking about like, I'm uncomfortable, or I don't know what to share, or um, maybe even a little bit of imposter syndrome, like, why should I? share any of my expertise like who am I like the world is big the internet's full of people who have expertise in xyz like little old me but (laughs) the more that you do share little tidbits of your expertise and then what you have to give and the more that you connect with people and I mean quite literally you know send connection requests and read their content and comment and have conversations with them um the more that people will give you the that kind of feedback and 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 um bring you the awareness that you need to know that you're connecting, you know, on a, on a human level with the right people. And that brings a certain amount of confidence as well. I think also with, uh, from a you know, purely selfish perspective, most people don't actually post. 
post original content. Most people are either liking or commenting or resharing something. So actually the opportunity is huge because if most of the hundreds of millions of people are not doing it, then you have this disproportionate um, chance to be seen, I presume. Absolutely. I know that the internet and social media feels like a massive wide world of like, you know, okay, there can be a thousand, I don't know, speaking coaches, for example, right? But personally, I'm only connected to one or two. And the one that is posting every week and therefore coming up on my feed more often is the one that is just naturally going to come to mind next time I want to engage some kind of speaking coach, right? Completely random example, got nothing to do with it in life now. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, I think we really, a lot of people really underestimate how much consistency and again like this is like another buzzword on the internet if you type social media media strategy like be consistent be authentic but really like there is so much to gain from just showing up and you think like oh it needs to be the more like you know the best post ever with all of the insight ever no it could be a tidbit it could be something you thought this morning it can be um someone you met recently it could be uh, a little story about you know something you overcame like Whatever it is, just showing up has such a massive impact, even if you don't feel like you're 100% getting right the actual messaging or what you're actually writing or you don't love writing. Like showing up is is like really step one. So look, you showed up and built a whole agency on it um, and grew that agency before you joined Monday. Um, and I guess it'd be good to sort of unpack a little bit of um, what were the biggest, I guess, advantages and challenges of, of running your own business um, and, and heading into that world? It's obviously, again, we talk about these buzzwords, everyone wants to do a solopreneur, entrepreneur um, type career now. Um, and it's got, you know, that's that's the, it's, it's almost like a stigma to go and work for a company, God forbid. Mm -hmm. And and uh, so t talk to us about that. Talk about Talk about the agency. For sure. Well, I will say never in a million years did I think I would find myself um, working in another company, certainly not a large um, company and definitely not uh, a software. <laughs> it really was not something I ever considered. Um, I was really very, very invested in, in my vision. My vision was having these conversations. It was helping people um, with some of these challenges. It was helping people leverage what I think to be one of the greatest gifts that we've had as mankind, which is social media, um, comes with its challenges and it's, you know, whatever's, but, um, uh, and it's dangerous, <laughs> but it's it's really a gift. And I really wanted to help people who were very uncomfortable with it to leverage it and, and not be um, struggling to to you know bring whatever their gift is in the world to life just because marketing and social media isn't their gift so um the agency actually had two two variations there was pre-baby and post-baby with a little bit of a pause in between um but the vision was always the same it was to work with uh smaller companies to enable people um to work very closely very collaboratively with our clients so it wasn't like a will do everything and you never have to think about it ever again. It was like a kind of co-collaboration where they would receive education and that they would, you know, be part of the strategy building and that they would eventually be able to consider how to leverage their own knowledge themselves um, and choose to outsource as and when they wanted to with kind of like really strategic knowledge and also to take off the weight of the kind of the doing the everything because you 
probably know, Robert, you know, running your own business, you have to wear many, many hats. There's a lot of things to do in the day. Uh, your focus is with your existing clients and doing the best possible job in the thing that you wanted to do. And all of the marketing and the sales and the admin and the finance and everything else, it's not that engaging and it's not that interesting. And for us, um, you know, for me and my team, it was engaging and was interesting. And we wanted to do um, the marketing and bring those messages to life on social media. So, you know, for me, it was like, a, how can we, you know, really be part of your team in your business um, and still be super, super accessible to people who generally have some kind of revenue cap in their business in a year? Um, mm -hmm. And are not going to be. It's not going to be worth their while to invest insane amounts of money working with an agency. So, anyone who runs uh, an agency-style business, you'll probably realise that margins on that target audience are really, really tight. Um, you know, we're working with kind of building up a team of really, really skilled expertise um, that can really actually go the long haul with our clients and do really, really amazing work for them. And at the same time, we're working with really, really limited budgets and thinking about how we can like scratch together every shekel to you know make it have its um impact and that is an enormous challenge and still a challenge that i'm incredibly passionate about and always thinking about still um and you know we were growing and we were succeeding and we were really getting to a um a really really exciting place and monday came along as a client monday was not my typical client but it was an opportunity to um kind of stretch my own skills and I felt on a personal level like I had been having similar conversations for many years over and over again you know doesn't matter if you're an accountant or you're a um you know an artist ultimately we were kind of tackling the same challenges and I was finding myself losing my own sort of personal spark for those challenges because I'd been I hadn't been evolving my own skill set I hadn't been really investing in myself during that time well because you become so, this administrator running a whole business yeah that is, is 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 a completely different beast to yep. why you originally got into it a hundred percent and also the, the more that we grew the more removed I was from the working with the clients and the um the strategy and and you know I am a strategist I I love to get my hands on it and do the work itself. And so um, as much as I love managing processes and I love managing people and I still very much do that in my day to day, I also have, you know, um, here much more of a creative outlet to kind of stretch myself and learn new things and, and take on new challenges. So Monday becoming a client, I found myself leaning in to them more and more and more, um, you know, until an offer came from them and we spent sort of three months going backwards and forwards over it and thinking about whether that was really the right move for me. And, um, uh, and ultimately that's the direction it took. So, um, it was a really, really challenging time because, you know, closing down something that I'd worked so hard for, um, publicly, <laughs> um, you know, and, and not quite having the words for why it was happening. Um, also to my team, you know, I did my best um, to part ways and, and support them and, you know, help them understand what was happening and why it was happening. But also, you know, everybody has their their path and it was just, you know, the natural thing for, for me to need to do next. So it was a really challenging time. Um, and I've also shared publicly that I, I was actually getting divorced at the same time. So you can imagine running an agency, thinking about next moves and not sleeping much at night is not really a great uh, combination for emotional wellness and you know being able to hold things together and it was uh it was uh, it was a hard few months 
wow there's probably like eight p podcast episodes just within that last <laughs> yeah, four minute stretch <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i think i think what's really interesting is um just your honesty genuinely um i think at the time when you made this decision i remember it being posted on social and you made uh you know sort of a, a you know pr statement around it and <laughs> i was like oh wow and i was like so honest of you um, and, and even just speaking now, you know, sharing your journey, sharing your personal um, life changes, that's, 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 I think, a lesson for everybody um, to just understand their own path, actually, is what is what actually you just, you just perfectly articulated. And it sounds like you've landed heavily on your feet, because I saw that you posted just a few days ago, um, on LinkedIn, saying that you never thought that you would find yourself working in someone else's company again, like you just said, let alone one I believe in so much. Um, so tell me about the magic of Monday and, and why you um, um, have taken on this digital comms lead. What does that even mean? Do jargonize it for us and tell us about your role and um, tell us a little bit more about why Monday really is um, a sort of a new passion for you. Sure. Okay, so I'll start by saying that before Monday became a client, Monday became a tool in my business. Um, I was a I was a massive Notion fan, um, still am in a lot of ways. Sorry, Monday, um, and it was a really, really great um, low cost or free starting point for my business. Um, really helped us get off the ground. As we grew and as we kind of like formalized all of our processes and the way that we were doing things, and I needed to create more structure for the team, and you know we needed you know project templates that would not you know be moved or deleted or you know we needed like just way more structure in our processes and we needed to um automate like a lot of the things that i was having to do as the business owner so i could get back to doing a little bit more of the hands-on work um so we actually implemented monday um at the agency um before monday became a client and it was really 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 game-changing for us it enabled us to do the kind of last push of growth that we did just before i came into monday and um you know, I was really, really impressed. And I'd heard about them a long time ago. You know, I was always up on kind of, you know, tools and different softwares and different things going on. But it was the first time I was really getting to grips with it. And I really, really loved it as a product. Fast forward to today, you know, obviously, like being um, an internal part of the team and seeing how things work here, I understood on a much deeper level, you know, okay, every company talks about their you know, their brand values and their vision and this and that and like la-di-da-di-da, okay, lovely PR messaging as you <laughs> said a moment ago, great, great, great. But um, when I understood that my incredible experience here as an employee was directly impacted by the fact that we use Monday for everything at Monday, shocker, um, <laughs> and just how many challenges that alleviates in a person's day-to-day, -day, it really connected for me. Like, okay, we talk about transparency we talk about collaboration we talk about um you know we talk about you know project management we talk about all of these things as a company but actually what that does within a team is make happy people it makes people able to do the work that they actually want to do and it took me back to my agency like it took away a lot of the strains of doing all the crap that i didn't want to do and let me get back to the things i really want to do as a human um realizing that that's the effect that using monday at monday has on monday as a culture I just was like, okay, hold on a second. This is this is amazing. Like, there is a company that has a product 
whose product completely revolutionized how it, the, the company itself works. And by adopting this product in other companies can have the same effect. And the effect ultimately is happy people doing the work that they actually want to do. For me, that was like, okay, that's a great new mission. Like I can really, I can really get on board with that because so much of what I've always done in the past was about alleviating some of the kind of busy work challenges that people get stuck on in their brain. Like how often do I need to post and do I need to share my, you know, entire life story and all of these kind of like logistical things. And, and, uh, and I wanted to give them a really, really simple framework to just do and get back to their gift, get back mm -hmm, to their business mm -hmm. and the root of their business. And for me, you know, Monday does the same thing. So I kind of, it looks like a massive U-turn, but for me, it was just kind of like really, really, you know, in synergy with, with what I was always about and always passionate about. I think the key word there is enablement. You've always been about enablement and empowerment. So whether it was in the agency or now within Monday, you're, you're helping people get their, get their message out there, get, to develop their businesses, whatever it might be, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the key word for you. I, I we use Monday here at Pipe. Um, we've used it for about a year and a half. We didn't have anything before. We we're running off a few sort of Google spreadsheets or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I actually shared. We, we've got a partner in the business, and he set up some elaborate Excel recently. And I said, No, 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 no. We're not going to be using that. Here's a link as a guest to our new Monday board that we're going to work on together. And that's how we collaborate. And I get this message back from him. Literally, he said, happy people. He was delighted. He was like, <laughs> wow, this wow. is so cool to use. Um, and it just helps us collaborate. So uh, I definitely tap into that, those, those collaboration values that... Uh, yeah. You know, often people talk about but aren't a reality and but yeah. uh, I think you feel it both through the product and what it actually does for you uh, yeah. which is cool so so tell us about your role what is the role of digital comms lead okay so it's uh it's it's been an evolution over the last year um you know when I first came in it was just me and the social media manager Natasha um and she started at the same time as me so we were really kind of just like starting from scratch and thinking about you know how are we going to build a process to manage this much content, meaningful content, really good content for a massive company across multiple channels with so many different teams uh, and initiatives and things going on in the company that we want to share externally. Um, and that was kind of like where we initially started. It's like, okay, just a basic process. Like how do we actually even get this much content and this much messaging out? Um, over time, you know, the, the role has evolved. So I'm now responsible for our social responses team. Um, so half of those, um, half of the team sit in the, in the CX department actually, and half of the team sit on, on my team. Um, and so the goal is that we're kind of offering world-class support on social media and, you know, responding to every single comment, every single mention, every single time wow. someone is talking about us on social media, that we're there that we're having conversations with people, that we're really building human connections using our social channels and not taking, um, you know, a sort of corporate stance on it, which is we say what we want to say and then we'll just leave it out there in the world to do whatever it does. Um, I really wanted to take the principles that I that I built as, uh, as a small business owner and somebody who's working with small businesses and apply it to uh, a much larger brand. So we do that. And we also manage the influencer marketing efforts here at Monday. Um, and we work very, very closely with the community management team as well to kind of grow and build our um, community grassroots efforts as well. 
I think the one thing that I always remember of Monday, which is probably why I opted to go with it when we were looking for a, for a tool, is every corner I would turn, either physically or digitally, there they were. Every YouTube video I watched, I watched a Monday video before. I was on the London Underground going down an escalator. There's Monday on the advertising all the way down. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's interesting you talk about that omni-channel approach to you know, customer centricity, um, which, which is difficult to do. And the reality of people wanting support or engagement with brands today is that it isn't coming in the form of you know, a traditional email or probably even a chatbot some, to some extent. It's coming through all of the social media channels, it's WhatsApp channels, there's a whole plethora of that omni-channel approach. That's difficult to manage, that's tough, particularly within uh, a, you know, a business with you know, hundreds of thousands of customers, probably thousands of employees to maintain that. What, what's the strategy behind that? Yeah, it is, um, it is a tough one. And you know, the beauty I think about social is we have so many external channels of um, you know, one-way communication with the world through our advertisements, um, through the uh, you know the blog and the knowledge center um, and our webinars and all of the amazing things that many 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 people do and manage here. Um, social is the only public-facing place where we actually ever get to hear from our customers, and I think mm -hmm. that is a it's just an enormous responsibility, like to our customers, is that okay? We may get one person who takes the time to come and tell us that they're unhappy about something or happy about something. We get a kind of really good mix of both. But, you know, for me, I'm more interested in the unhappy stuff because um, if someone came and took the time to do that, it, it they care. And they're not just coming, most people, there are, we do, you know, you have trolls, but for the most part, our customers, if they've come to tell us something on social, it's because they've been really disappointed or they've had an experience or they're frustrated, but they care ultimately. They want it to work for them and they want it. They want Monday to be the, the thing that saves saves them. That's why they're tweeting us or messaging us. And I think it's really, really um, something super, super important, super delicate. And so, you know, obviously as a public company, there are lots of things that we can't say. We have to be very, very careful about what we promise, what we don't promise, what information we share. And, and you know, then we have like, the brand voice and brand messaging and you know the, the direct the words that we use and the words we don't use my role is to take all of those kind of barriers to how we can connect with someone and make sure we are connecting with them still um and i think if we're able to get that right on a on a large scale and and a large percentage of the time um you know it's not just that one customer it's all of the other customers having the same frustration that seeing it and did not take the time to say anything because they maybe didn't care as much or because they don't have the time or whatever the reason was but they're seeing it and they're also being impacted by that same response um so so yeah it's a it's a it's a mammoth of a um you know a task and and then we also have to create all of the content that we're sharing on our organic channels which is um you know something that i consider to be a little bit of an antidote to our ads strategy. I love our ad strategy. I think it's super impactful the way you just said it, you know, whether you wanted to get away from Monday or not, <laughs> it's, there. it's in front of your videos, it's on the tube, it's wherever you look. Um, you know, if you're driving um, on the ILON in Tel Aviv from, from south to north, the logo's in your face. Um, it's, it's, 
Organic Social is the place where we get to try and be a little bit more direct with people, a little bit more real with people, and we have more words to use. So in our ads, you know, we've got a few seconds, we've got a billboard with like, what, max five words on it before people stop reading when they drive past. <laughs> Social, we have multiple posts every day. We can talk about any subject. We're not just trying to sell you something. We want to bring you value. We want to show you what it can do. We want to talk about things that are challenging us all in the workplace, irrelevant to whether you use Monday or not. Um, and this, I think, creates a bit more of a human dialogue and something that people can really um, connect with and um, you know, provide some balance to the fact that we are everywhere. We have a very aggressive advertising strategy that is, um, you know, effective and wonderful and brings lots of customers to the wonderful world of Monday. But we wanted to create something that kind of provides a bit of balance to that um, approach. I think I think what you're talking about, and you are perhaps lucky enough to, to sit right on this role, is communications. So this is going to be the interface of the companies that either win or don't win in the future. Because fine, there may be features that are a little bit better on that side or the other side, but in the end, no one cares about that it's commoditized. The market is completely commoditized when it comes to product. And the, the companies that will win exponentially are the ones that will be able to communicate your role in a way with the audience at a level that puts everyone else out of the park. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. If you think about it, okay, like I, um, I'm using Monday now instead of a competitor, and I'm waiting for a particular feature that I'm getting a little bit annoyed about waiting for. There is another um, product that gives me that feature and I might think about moving. Now, let's say I take my complaint to social media and the, I don't know, I don't get any response or I get a very basic response or I get a, it's in the roadmap for 2025, like with no personalization, <laughs> no element of making me feel seen or important as a customer or like my work matters. I'll, I'll probably move. I'll probably move. It'll be a headache. It will be a headache to move all my stuff over. But most tools have some kind of, you know, import export option. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll even get an implementation consultant who will help me um, do those things and move over. And ultimately, I'll have the feature that I want. Great. Or I can share my frustration. It's an opportunity for the customer, the company to really to make me feel important. And like everything that I'm doing is really important to them. You know what? I'll wait. I will wait because this is a company, this is a person at the end of the line that actually cares about me, cares about my success. I might not get that elsewhere. So yes, I think I think communications is way more important than, I'll pause there. I won't say it's way more important than the product itself because I think the, the product really needs to be powerful. But I think that communications can go a long way in any areas that the product is maybe um, not supporting you fully yet. And that goes for all, all you know, all tools. Um, there's always uh, the grass is greener um element there are things that we have that others don't there are things that you know we don't have and that others do yeah look, I, th I think you're 100 percent correct and i think particularly now as we're in this sort of whirlwind of ai coming out to to, to everybody um it will commoditize at an even faster rate so the the communication is going to be the differentiator even if those communication um, channels are with avatars by the way in the future there's nothing stopping that that being because avatars are getting so um, intelligent in the way that we're able to build behind them the, the messaging and the, the comms and they can become almost as good as us um, but it's still going to need someone behind it having that human communication 
Um, I'm just a huge, huge believer in it. Um, as we come to the sort of, I guess, end of our time together, I've still got more questions and, um, you know, we're, we, we have to be uh, concise, I guess. But um, a few things. Number one, um, why are B2B brands generally, though, not getting what you're talking about? There's still, there are the, those who have and most of those that don't have when it comes to brand and social media strategy. And we're talking big companies who don't communicate in this way. Um, mm -hmm. What's your sort of, I, I guess, take on this and any quick advice? Um, yes, um, my take is actually very connected to the fact that me and um, a friend, Danny Syag, have been building a community of social media marketers, um, mostly based in Israel and mostly based in high tech and, 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 and B2B companies and technology companies. Um, and the reason that we're building that community is for the the fact that a lot of companies are still not getting it, right? And the what I see is that it is really challenging to take a um, a, a brand. Uh, it's an entity that is not a person. It has a set of rules. It has a set of terms that you do and don't, do not use. It has a lot of sensitivities. Um, some of them can be, you know, legally implicating especially if you're a public company like i said earlier there are certain things that you just can and cannot do can and cannot say um and it goes beyond just you know trying not to mislead your customers or being you know any of these things it's it's there's a lot to contend with and getting the messaging correct across the company is really 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 difficult and then it shows up again and again and again so you have all of these political situations or you have pride month or you have um, you know, any any situation where your human customers are expecting you as a brand to have some kind of say and to, you know, use your influence and to stand on some side of the line. And it doesn't have to be political. It can be around any issue. And as a company, generally, um, I think most companies, their role is to be like the queen and to be pretty, uh, you know, <laughs> God rest her soul, like pretty... Um, um, Neutral. What's what I'm looking for? Neutral, exactly. Uh, and and to advise and to support and to, um, you know, grow the world uh, that you work in in the most positive direction for humankind. But ultimately, you still have to remain kind of neutral and kind of on brand. And you can't just go off and do this social trend or go off and, you know, say something extravagant during June for Pride Month. Or, you know, you have to be really, really considerate. And it's very, very difficult as a company to um, share a concise message that your customers will understand and that is super, super inclusive of all uh, types of customers and all stakeholders that you might have in the business from analysts and investors to your customers, to potential customers, mm. to your employees um, and to any other stakeholder that you might have. That's a really, really difficult job. Uh, I know because I'm in it. <laughs> it's, I but I think your I think your analogy of the Queen is so spot on. I've never had anyone articulate it in such clarity to me before. This is why I uh, think. Yeah, this is why I think small businesses have an advantage over bigger brands because you don't have to remain neutral because it's your personal brand. It's about you, and so you can decide what your brand is. You can decide what you stand for, and you can decide what your customers care about, and therefore what you want to share. When you're a bigger brand and you're working globally and you're working with all kinds of people, you need to be as universally accepted as possible um, in order to to protect the success of your company and to be able to continue doing what you're doing for the good of you know the greater the greater people. So. 
um, you know, and I mean that the good of the greater people in terms of the way they work, right, in, in the context of Monday, but you can translate that to, to whatever you do. So here's the challenge is social media managers, um, and oftentimes, even in very large companies, it's a one man show, uh, one woman show, <laughs> whichever way you go. Um, and they are not yet often considered to be um, strategic ambassadors of the brand and able also to connect with the human side of people on social media. So a lot of social media managers are very, very passionate about connecting with humans and by you know jumping on the trends and doing the things, doing the social things, speaking the social language, but aren't quite able to translate the brand and the company and the messaging that needs to get out there in a way that is social friendly, in a way that does connect with people. And this gap in the middle where we're kind of lacking um, some... Uh, internal positioning of trust between social media team and leadership um, and maybe even some skill set and some ability to advocate for those strategic decisions from the social team to leadership that is what's causing this friction of the social media team are like okay yeah yeah we need to do these things we need to connect our communications are really really important this is our public sphere and then they get like a lot of no 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 they get a lot of no we're not going to respond to this because we can't respond to this in a way that positions as well publicly so we're just going to ignore the customer it's hard to live in this paradox of the two things but that is really as well like an industry as um strategists and specialists and messaging people we need to get better as a field in getting that buy-in and that trust from leadership to do that message translation in a way that really works for the company and is safe so it's not an easy job it really isn't I think I think it's uh, what you're talking about is what used to be called corporate affairs in these big companies that used to have this, you know, PR person that would talk about how we're going to communicate this to the audience and the stakeholders. But actually, that role hasn't evolved. And you have people doing social media leadership wanting certain objectives to be met. But actually, you need this person who is a like a chief policy officer who decides how to integrate all of the values and what you want to communicate, but in a way that is good for the business still, that there's there's this this gap that, that yeah. exists there. It's a dangerous area. I mean, I, I read in the US, all of these big companies that Target are facing it at the moment. Disney have gone through it. There's lots of backlash, either from one side or another. And every everything you say has a repercussion when you aren't with with the queen approach mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. and i and i do think there is a place for corporate companies to um you know have a, a say in social good matters for example um but i mean we can take um innocent smoothies as a as an example in the last week or so um they published a a, a twitter thread um supporting certain organizations and it was something for pride month and it was something um i didn't read the original because it was deleted but something around um you know transgender rights and the you know the the backlash on Twitter from all sides was so immense, and they were not prepared for it um, that they did they just deleted the tweet, <laughs> and then they posted a statement <laughs> that said, "We deleted this because this didn't get the um, because it had a lot of hateful um, comments, right. and we don't want to give platform to hateful comments. We want to support X Y Z." Um, but actually, you know, they had feedback from all sides, like, no, you did not represent this correctly. Um, you know, you're aligned with organizations that are undergoing some, you know, really, you know, serious allegations, like just the whole thing is a, a mess. So it can go really, really wrong, but it can also go really, really right. And I, I, I really respect anybody who sits in that, um, 
in that role in that seat and i think what we need is more sort of more people who are able to translate right translate corporate into human without negating um <laughs> you know the brand protecting the brand but also connecting with people and i don't think it's impossible i just think it's it's difficult it takes um iteration it takes trust i have in t i have insane trust with um you know with my um managers you know and and i'm not afraid to get it wrong i think which is really really important um and you know we have a really open relationship where if i need guidance or i want reassurance that the direction i'm taking is the right direction they're there for me and they're, they're there to kind of work it out with me and i think that's the kind of relationship we need internally to be able to kind of build relationships externally so last question um we're talking about work and careers and business internally. Um, one of the comments that you made uh, that I saw on social media was actually that your own personal growth in your career hasn't necessarily always come from being in the business. It's things that have happened outside of the business in your, in your own world that accelerated your career growth. Uh, you, you mentioned three specific ones that over the last five years have really shaped how your career has grown, being motherhood, um, strength training, um, and investing in time off. Do you want to just unpack that as a final, so I guess sort of wellness and life uh, mm -hmm. view? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, anybody who's experienced parenthood, um, certainly small children and certainly small children during Corona um, will will relate to this. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly a challenge, but it's also um something that really really helped me refine exactly what i did want to be doing and didn't want to be doing and how to do it in uh, a more productive way that didn't take me away from the other things that i valued in my life which was you know spending time with my son etc um i relaunched my agency from within you know corona lockdown with a one and a half year old a very intense one and a half year old um <laughs> i'm sure they all are but he felt especially something <laughs> something special um you know, crawling all over me. And I was trying to film a video course so that I could actually, you know, get something out into the world. And, you know, I've got, you know, my uh, my ex-husband, like keeping him busy in the garden for five minutes and like, oh my gosh, we were so blessed to have a garden, right? So <laughs> it was, um, you know, really, really uh, a refining moment for me is just getting really, really clear. Where do I want to be spending my time? What do I not want to be spending my time on? Um, and how can I do it in the most efficient way possible so I can have both? I want to have um, both sides of, of things uh, in my life. I want to have a career and motherhood. So that was really important for me to, to get right. Um, it's a work in progress, but we're, <laughs> we're on an okay track. <laughs> but it's it, um, all of those things that you, you, you know, you mentioned strength training and uh, investing in time off as business owners or as, you know, people who are really career focused and want to climb the ladder. You're, there's always a, a sort of always on attitude that is actually negative. Yes, 100%. So the second two, well, actually, all three of them kind of taught me, forced me to have some balance because previously I was a very much like I would work on Saturdays because there were no emails and that was like when I was most creative and switched on and I could like think and focus. Um, I'd work until midnight because I was so passionate about what I was doing. And I think that's great as an entrepreneur, but there are also limits. And all three of the things that I mentioned are the things that kind of enable you to keep going on a long-term basis. Um, you know, motherhood forced me, 4 p.m., it's time to pick up your kid. If it's 4.01, that it, the teacher is calling you saying like, why are you the most irresponsible, disgusting human on the planet that you haven't picked up your son yet? Like, what? So there's no, there's no room for like one last email. It's done, the day is done, we move on, spending time with your kids. That was really um, critical. 
strength training. I got into CrossFit um, because I needed somewhere to go outside of the house <laughs> in between sort of the corona lockdowns that was going to be um, productive for me. I was never super into fitness, but what I found is that it was super meditative. Um, when you are doing an intense workout, someone's told you what to do and all you can do because you're working so hard is count your breath and count your reps and get to the end of the workout. That is wow. like, that's not the definition of meditation. I don't know what it is. It was the only hour of the day where my brain was quiet. And, you know, obviously exercise has all these wonderful benefits. So you get like a dopamine hit just from moving your body. But for me, the mental health break came from having that just hour of quiet in my brain. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about, you know, my home life. I'm not thinking about my son. Just um, pick up the weight. Do it again. <laughs> do it another three times. Breathe. Get to breathe. <laughs> breathe. Keep breathing. So, um, that for me was really revolutionary in, in, in terms of who I am as a person. And it's something I still try to do um, at least three times a week. And, you know, really is like just a built in part of my um, schedule that is a non-negotiable. So. Amazing. Well, continued success with all of that and all of your career. It's been amazing having you on the podcast. I mean, I know personally and um, I know lots of people who know you. And we always have such amazing things to say about Bridie because you're, you're, you're somebody that we all look up to. Um, we appreciate your content and honesty and um, you know personal development and, and how you share that. Um, so I hope everyone enjoys this podcast. It's been such a delight having you on as a guest. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't waffle on too much and uh, I'm looking forward to what people have to say about it. Thank you for listening to Coffee with Curtis. I hope you enjoyed it. Please follow or subscribe to get notified when I release future episodes.